Welcome to Make and Decorate, a podcast for makers who love to sew, quilt, and decorate. Well, hello, everybody. Welcome back. Welcome back to the second half of season three of the Make and Decorate podcast. This is episode 63, originally published on February 4th, 2021. And with a new year is comes new intro podcast music. Uh, did you notice it was different? I'm sure you did. Uh, I just, um, yeah, I just wanted a fresh start to the music. And this is exactly what I was looking for. Something um, kind of bright and and bubbly and happy. So I hope you like it. I am keeping my outro music because I absolutely love the outro music. I'd never get tired of it. So, you know, sometimes it's tunes and songs and everything are um, can be like that where you can just never get tired of them. And others are like, okay, I've listened to this like a hundred times and it's I'm done. <laughs> All right. So let's see what's going on here. Um, since December, I, I wanted to mention a couple of awesome Christmas gifts that I got. And one of them is for the podcast. I, I got new equipment uh, for the podcast. It's a little tiny, small red box. <laughs> it's called a Scarlet Focusrite, but it, uh, it, it is, I don't know. I, honestly, I plug in the microphone and my headphones and, uh, record with it. And it, uh, it's supposed to produce professional results. So you tell me, does this sound professional to you? Um, and, and hopefully it does. Don't tell me if it doesn't. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> All right. And then I also got something else for my sewing studio, creative, whatever, crafty sewing, you name it. I got the Silhouette Cameo 4. Yes, I did. Unbelievable. Yes, I have been wavering back and forth from the Cricut Maker to the Silhouette Cameo 4, back and forth. And, you know, it's pricey. They're both pricey. So, um, but uh, my husband actually got me one this Christmas and I did get the Silhouette Cameo 4 because I already am familiar with the design software. And from what I have researched, the Cameo Silhouette software is um, supposedly um, much more flexible, user-friendly than the Cricut Maker one. So um, yeah, uh, I got it. I have not done a ton with it yet, but it is, I, I have it in its permanent place, which is out on top of the counter. And um, it has its own little section there in the countertop. And in the drawer, um, right in front of it, I have all of the supplies for it, uh, the different blades and so forth. I did make a cut. <laughs> I had to as soon as I set it up. Um, I had to set it up and I got the Bluetooth working. You can send files to it wirelessly via Bluetooth and um, and it cuts fabric. So of course, though, typical me, I choose 
a very complex design for it to be the first fabric cut. Did I just do a simple like square or circle or even star shape? No, I chose the Milky Way because I wanted to cut out for my uh, nephew's Mandalorian quilt. So I wanted, I saw this really cool sort of swirly Milky Way. So there's a lot of narrow cuts into this. And yes, that was my first fabric cut. Um, it wasn't perfect, but um, still pretty impressive of the rotary blade and uh, I there I did have it on they have another mat for fabrics um, it's much tackier so it'll grip and hold on to fabrics like felt and so forth but the uh, quilting cotton I think might do okay with their regular cutting mat um, because I think the high-tech one might have been a little too much, but I don't know. I still have a lot to learn and uh, things to try with it. So it's very exciting. And uh, yeah, I've been watching a lot of videos on the Camille 4 and uh, there's just, there's a lot you can do with it. But the main reason why I really, really wanted it is so that I could cut fabrics. <laughs> I think a secondary reason why I also wanted it is that you can easily cut, um, I mean, you can cut almost anything as long as it's in an SVG file type and for card making. So I've gotten a little bit into card making over the last year and I've I've only gotten a couple, a few of the dies. Uh, the dies can be used in my silhouette um, silhouette, <laughs> my Sizzix, Sizzix uh, machine, and they work really well, but these dies are expensive and they add up. So uh, whatever you can send over to the silhouette machine is pretty much the same thing. You're, you're cutting out a shape or whatever onto the cardstock. So uh, I like that idea a lot better. So I have very little to share about sewing and quilting projects because that just kind of disappeared <laughs> for a little bit around Christmas time. I got sick at Christmas time. Uh, it was not COVID. I actually was tested for COVID on Christmas morning. Uh, fun, right? <laughs> um, but if there was a day to get tested, that would be it because no traffic, no lines, got right in got the results right away. So yep, that was done. So it's just that the, it has lingered all through January. Um, and uh, so I went back to the doctor today and we're just trying to figure some things out um, so that I can uh, get fully recovered. Yeah. So another reason why I haven't gotten a lot of sewing or quilting in this month or last month, January, is that we, um, we did a, my husband, we, by we, I mean my husband and I, um, and we got some help from my brother-in-law. Thank goodness. Yeah. He just helped us, uh, install the floor, which was great in our, um, our main bathroom. So, um, a brand new flooring was put in. And uh, uh, we painted the walls and the ceiling and the trim, um, base molding, and I, um, I did chalk painting for the first time ever, 
We have a couple of wood pieces in the bathroom. One of them's a wall cabinet and one of them's a floor um, cabinet with drawers. And so I have the wall cabinet done chalk painted. Uh, it looks really nice. I like the color. Um, but I, since I was so new to chalk painting, um, I didn't really know what I was doing. Although, um, I was watching some videos, but, uh, I just got impatient and I just wanted to like jump in there. So I didn't, you know, normal me would be like researching the heck out of something, but I think it's just also because I've just haven't had that much energy and stuff. So I just wanted to like, kind of like <laughs> dive in and get this stuff done. Um, because I do want to get back to, um, sewing and quilting. Um, and, so I, the chalk paint itself is pretty easy to do. What I did wrong, I did, I, I def, I did the uh, sealer coat wrong though. I did, um, because I did wax. And, um, so when you apply the wax, you're supposed to wipe down the extra, like right away, like right after you apply it. And, when I read the can, it said to wait 24 hours and then buff. Well, um, totally misunderstood. And, and the instructions on the can did not say apply and wipe off. So I had a search for videos. I knew something was up because um, in a couple of spots, there were just some little like um, little parts where there was... Um, uh, too much wax there. Um, but fortunately, I applied the wax in, you know, a thin enough coat. Um, and I did a few coats the that you you don't you can't even tell that I didn't do it correctly <laughs> to begin with. So um, but uh, the um, oh my gosh, what are they called? The purple painted lady. Uh, they have really good videos. And so I ordered a buffing brush from them because Here's the other things, the wax brush and the buffing brush, they all have to be natural uh, bristles, no synthetic nylon, whatever. So um, I got the, the buffing brush and when I was watching the video, um, th I watched their video and then watched another person's video. So I might be getting them confused, but when they were talking about the buffing part with this brush and it's almost reminds me of like a shoe polish brush when you buff the shoes that um, you have applied polish to. So they were demonstrating it and they're like, you just do it like this. And she's like, and I'm not talking, give yourself tendonitis, which kind of made me laugh because <laughs> I have tendonitis in my right elbow. So um, she's like, it doesn't, don't, don't rub your brush hard at all. And when I was starting to do that, it was so easy. I could not believe it because she said, you'll know that it's buffed and that you can move on when you start seeing a little bit of a sheen. And I did. I mean, it doesn't take, she's right. It takes barely any pressure from that buffing brush at all to buff it to a sheen. So, 
Um, now that I got the process down, um, the floor cabinet, when I get to that, um, I will apply the wax correctly <laughs> and then um, it'll be fine. So it's really not that hard of a process at all What now that I've gone through it and and now I kind of know how it goes. But um, I, I do love the wax um, coating on there and it, it protects the piece um, from the wear and tear and and you know, what liquids and stuff like that. Um, so it just is a really pretty finish. And uh, let me talk to you a little bit about the chalk paint. So uh, Annie Sloan, of course, is, um, is the chalk paint, like the end all be all. I know that, but it's also pricey. And um, I needed, I, I had very little notice that this is, you know, what what we were going to do. So I need to chalk paint a little quicker <laughs> than waiting for it to arrive. Because you guys know how the, the, the postal mail system, UPS, all of them are, are going these days. Things take a lot longer to ship. So we went to the uh, local hardware store uh, and, um, you know, Rust-Oleum has a line of chalk paints but there's only a handful of colors. They have nice colors, though. They have a really nice linen white, which I got that for. Um, I actually got that color to do another piece. Uh, so um, I wanted a specific color. And um, Bear, which is the Home Depot brand of paint, has Bear has a, a line of chalk paints. Uh, so they have colors, too, that you can choose from. But... Uh, I had a, a Benjamin Moore color picked out that I wanted. And so I went there and uh, I asked the guy because it, it was saying that, you know, oh, you got to choose from from their colors. But he said, no, yeah, I can mix any color, any custom color you want. So I was like, yes. So here you go. My Benjamin Moore color is Wedgwood Gray. So um, it's a blue gray and um, really very pretty. I went with um, just a little back info. I went with um, a more coastal beachy look in this bathroom. And uh, I love it. I love the colors. It's so pretty. So, but here's, here's the caveat here. <laughs> with the bare chalk paint, um, you can get any color, but... The um the way that the paint goes on the first coat is a bit streaky. So I was panicking a little bit, but um I knew what to expect because I did watch a video and someone was comparing the bear. No, it wasn't a video. I'm sorry. It was a blog. And she was comparing the bear chalk paint to the Rust-Oleum. And so she showed, you know, how the color was streaky and how Rust-Oleum after the first coat was much more opaque. So I went in there knowing this, but um, when I, I was actually painting, I totally saw what she was talking about. And I was starting to get a little like irritated um, about it. But when I put the second coat on, it was fine. All, so the only difference is that it's just bare chalk paint is not a one coat paint. So you just have to do two coats. No big deal. And the color is beautiful. So I think that's worth the trade off of getting a custom mixed color um, 
for your chalk paint project. So I talked a little bit about interior paints um, way back in episodes in, I think, the first season, but I'm going to talk about them again because I think a lot of people are doing DIY projects. Um, even if you're not, you're hiring someone to paint for you. Um, there's uh, some things I can share about interior paints to help you um, make your choices um, easier. So uh, I'll go over the, let's just talk about what paints are out there anyway, to begin with. On the very top high end um, of paint is Ferro and Ball. Uh, I think it's running around $120 a gallon now. So that is super, super pricey. Um, and it's uh, it's really something that's not comparable to um, the Benjamin Moores or Sherwin-Williams of the world. It's um, all natural clay pigments. And um, it just has a, a higher uh, level of quality and pigments. So um, if you can afford it and want to, you know, that's the top of the line. That's the luxury line of paints. But there are plenty other lines of paint that are very good quality um, and have nice pigments as well. I just wanted to start and let you know that if you want the creme de la creme, it is Farrell and Ball. It's an English uh, paint company, and um, it's it's getting more and more available in the U.S. now. And I think you can even order um, online, and the UPS ship the paint to you. All right, so I would say the next level of quality uh, paints is probably the um, Benjamin Moore and Sherwin Williams, and. These paints um, are not sold in regular hardware stores. So Sherwin-Williams owns all of the Sherwin-Williams shops uh, that sell their paint. And Benjamin Moore has um, dealer-owned stores that sell their paints. Uh, a lot of designers specify Benjamin Moore and Sherwin-Williams. So let's take a look at um, their different levels of paints and qualities. So Benjamin Moore um, is a paint that I, I actually have specified uh, much more than Sherwin-Williams. I just um, happen to like it more and... Um, I think it would, it, for me, in my opinion, it's just a better quality and uh, surprisingly a little less expensive than Sherwin-Williams. So Benjamin Moore's top of the line is Aura, A-U-R-A. It's around $80 a gallon and um, it's it's got the primer built into it. It has very, um, it's very pigmented and high quality of paint. Um, I have um, a, a room or two painted in my house with Aura, um, and, and it's very nice. Um, the next line, this is the line that um, I usually go to um, for painting, especially if there's if you have to have a large quantity of paint. Um, and that is their Regal Select. Um, very high quality. 
uh, again with the primer built in and it has the coverage um, that you would you need and it is around $64 a gallon. Still expensive though, but very we're talking quality and pigments and coverage. So um, those are really good lines at Benjamin Moore. There is another line called Ben, but I think that you can do better with quality for the price. And I'll talk about that line in a few minutes. So Sherwin-Williams uh, is uh, uh, kind of on the same lines of Benjamin Moore, a um, little bit more of a boutique destination store um, that you have to go to. And it's a little more expensive than Benjamin Moore. Um, and I, de I just don't specify it a lot in interior design. We, we usually just specify um, Farrell and Ball or Benjamin Moore. Um, and I use Benjamin Moore in my own house. So um, I think Sherwin-Williams is probably definitely a quality paint. Um, it's just a matter, I think, of accessibility. So if you live close to Sherwin-Williams, then, then go check out their paints. But if you live near Benjamin Moore, then you're probably going to go there. Um, both have quality level lines. All right, so let's talk about the big box stores. So Lowe's, their line of paints is called Valspar. And uh, Home Depot, their line of paints is called Bear, B-E-H-R. So both of these lines of paint also have different tiers of quality levels. And uh, I... I think that for the price point, you should definitely take a look at their top of the line because their top of the line paint is going to be very comparable to a Benjamin Moore and Sherwin-Williams quality. So for instance, Bear, um, their top of the line paint is called Marquee and it has the primer in it. It has... Um, very good coverage and I have tried it and it really stands up <laughs> to the quality of Benjamin Moore, um, their top of the line aura paint. It goes on really well, um, covers nicely and its price point is $43 a gallon. That is very affordable, I think, as far as paint goes, interior paints. So I was very happy with the quality and how easy uh, it was to apply um, that paint. Uh, I have not tried the top of the line of Balspar, but I'm sure it's a similar story. So if you um, are going to go to a big box store for paint, uh, I would say stay away from the lower lines of their paints. And so the one line below the bare marquee is called Ultra Plus. It's about $28 a gallon. And you could visibly see the difference of the quality of that paint versus their marquee paint. The Ultra Plus, so, so I used that for the ceiling of the bathroom. And uh, on the ceilings, you usually paint ceilings in a flat finish. So absolutely no sheen or shine at all, just flat. And so I did the Ultra Plus and I could see like um, as we were applying it to the ceiling, it went on pretty thin 
And um, we actually needed to do three coats of paint on there to get the full coverage. Uh, so we did the marquee paint on the walls and what a difference, major difference. Um, I definitely would put the marquee up against a Benjamin Moore and you would save a, a lot of money. I mean, it's basically like half the price. So the quality is, is really good. Uh, so what else? Um, oh, the finishes. So for the walls, if you, um, I know a lot of people don't want any, any shine or sheen on the wall paints. So then they'll just go to like a flat. But then if you do this, flat paint finishes have absolutely no protection and are not washable. So anything that even touches it or rubs up against it, if your bag rubs up against it, um, it'll, it'll get marked up in no time. So I really would only recommend flat paint in like very minimally used uh, low traffic spaces. Um, but I personally don't put flat paint on any of my walls. It's uh, always an eggshell finish. And eggshell is, um, a, it has a little bit of sheen, but not a lot. But that little bit of sheen has the protection that you need and it is washable. So you can wash scuff marks off and, you know, and any of the things that uh, normally get onto walls, handprints and so forth. Uh, so um, just pay attention to the finish. And then usually on the trim, you do even a little bit more durable of a paint. And I usually go for a satin finish. Um, so satin is, um, has a little bit higher of a sheen than an eggshell, but it's not like a high gloss. So I, I like um, I like the satin with uh, on the trim and the eggshell on the walls. So um, and if you are looking at Farron Ball, they have a different um, uh, they have different names for these finishes. So um, the um, Oh, what's it called? Estate emulsion is their flat paint. And modern emulsion is their eggshell, just so we can tell the differences. But all of the other lines of paint kind of go by the similar uh, terminology, like eggshell and satin, semi-gloss, uh, so that sort of thing. So also, um, you can paint furniture with these interior paints. Uh, you would just want to put um, like a clear um, sealer finish over it, like a polyacrylic um, to seal it and protect the paint, you know, from chips and uh, dings and watermarks and that sort of thing. Um the nice thing about chalk paint is that um, you there there is um, like a poly sealer that you can put on it if you want to, but um, the the wax um, sealer is just a really nice finish. It's it's kind of like um, the old way of how wood furniture was finished um, with the wax finish. 
So I hope that this information helps clarify um, just uh, the myriad of options that are out there. Uh, I, I really only tend to stick to the mid to high um, lines of uh, the manufacturer's paint uh, because it just, um, if you're going to go through all of that work <laughs> to paint a room, um, you're going to want it to, to look nice and to wear well. Um, and especially if you have kids and pets, uh, you want to be able to wash the wall. So flat finished paints are not washable. Um, so yeah. Uh, and I, I am really like this, this project that we just, um, are currently working on is the first time that I've used the bare marquee paint and I'm really sold on it. I, I think that that's going to be like my new go-to paint for myself personally. So a few tips on choosing what color to use. This I know, just like in uh, sewing and quilting, you know, choosing fabrics sometimes can be very overwhelming. And the same thing goes for choosing a paint color. There are so many colors out there to choose from. But uh, just um, think of it as, well, first of all, don't give yourself too many options. <laughs> That's like the the worst thing that you can do. So try to narrow your options down to three options to choose from. Narrow it down to the three that you like best. Uh, the other thing is to consider the light sources in the room. So is your room north facing, south, east? Uh, south and east are going to get a lot more light uh, and sun, um, whereas the north and the west um, will not get as much light, um, although west will certainly get the late afternoon sun in there. So light affects colors like greens um, and even some blues. Those are, greens are really like some of the hardest colors um, to, to choose because it changes so much with the different um, light um, variations that you get from morning into evening. So if you are going to choose a green, um, let's say even like a, a sage green or a mossy green. Um, sage greens are tough because they have gray in them and something, sometimes they can look blue, but then they kind of can get really dreary looking if the light gets really low, um, in the room. So just, uh, remember, uh, that when you're looking at, colors that may have more of a gray or taupey tones to them. Um, if those are put in more of the rooms that get the sunlight for a lot of uh, the day, then they will not appear dreary um, at all. <laughs> so um, they just colors just tend to like, they're like chameleons sometimes. And um, so you really want to take a look at it. I mean, if you're really like, you're not sure. Um, but if you are sure, then just go for it. Go for the colors that you really like. So um, for instance, in, in my bathroom, I love blues. Blue is like, like right there, neck and neck with my favorite color, purple. So blues and purples, um, my favorite. 
and I love cool jewel tones. So <clears throat> I chose a very cool palette of the walls and the baseboard paint. But in order to kind of balance it out and to not have it too sterile looking, I chose a warmer white to put on the ceiling. And adding that little bit of warmth um, really just keeps it light, bright, and, and pretty. So on the other hand, looking at warm colors, uh, let's say um, you're working in a kitchen and your appliances are all very cool colors like of stainless steel. Um, and, uh, you know, you look at these things in the room and then, um, you think I want to warm this up. And so you're going to put a warm wall color in there. So that that's how like it balances with the coldness of the stainless steel. And, and then if you put like a warm color, uh, surrounding it on the walls, um, so just, uh, consider the things that are going to be in the room and the light sources, and most of all, what you like. <laughs> um, that's most important because um, if you're worried of doing the wrong thing and um, what people are going to think and you know, you're not following the trends and so forth, then I think it's going to be much harder to choose a color um, palette. So... Um, yeah, just stick with what you like and then just put some of these um, other thoughts um, with your decision-making process. And, and then I think you'll be happy with what you choose. All right. Hello, everybody. I am back. This is sort of like a Francis Dowell type journal uh episode because um, I didn't record everything in one sitting. So here I am back the next day, which is February 2nd, Groundhog Day. And the groundhog saw his shadow this morning. So that would mean six more weeks of winter. So let's hope that's true. <laughs> because we just got hit with a huge snowstorm this past weekend. Uh, we got nearly almost 12 inches of snow, which for the Chicago area is, is, is kind of a lot. Uh, so I know other places, I mean, 12 inches would be nothing, but, uh, to us, it's a lot and, um, it wasn't too bad. Uh, I think, uh, because it was on the weekend, um, people were able to kind of keep up. I mean, it snowed like nonstop for, for almost two days. <laughs> so, uh, you, you just get stuff shoveled. And then a couple hours later, you see another like inch or two on the ground and you have to go back out there. So, um, but it was fun. I took Cooper out uh, for a walk just around the block because there was just so much snow out there. Uh, and, um, and it was fun. He likes to try to catch snowballs in his mouth. <laughs> the other thing that a big snowfall in the Chicago area um, does is, and this is, I think specifically a Chicago thing to do um, is that uh, with the street parking, um, there's tons of snow there and street plows will be, they'll drive down the streets and they're plowing. So then all that snow gets like tossed by 
the parked cars. Uh, so it's a ton of snow to dig out and to be able to um, make it so that you can pull your car out away from, you know, it's parallel parked on the street. So uh, what Chicagoans do is once they get their their parking spot um snow removed, dug out, they will put a couple of chairs. Usually they are a lawn chair of some sort. So those will go into the very nice and clean removed snow parking spot to reserve it for them. And and this is like, you know, when there's big snow, the city and everybody kind of like, they let you do that. You can't do that if it's only like a few inches of snow on the ground. But um, yeah, if, if people, you know, are taking the the time in doing this backbreaking snow shoveling work around their cars to dig them out, you know, they want to, they want to keep that spot. (laughs) Uh, So, but the thing of it is, is that you almost need another person to run out there and pull the chairs out when you're ready to come back and park into your spot. Uh, If not, then they, then they got to put their hazard lights on and block the traffic and go remove the chairs and then do their little parallel park. So yeah, it's, it's just, it's just a whole thing, but it's just funny. I I almost kind of love seeing all these chairs out um, on the street after the big snow. Um, It just makes me laugh. Okay, so I just want to give you a glimpse of what to expect in this upcoming second half of season three. I recorded all of my guest uh, episodes during the month of January and so excited about those. Um, And one of them is a video podcast. So one of the guests agreed to do a video podcast with me, and that'll be coming up in mid-April. So I'm really excited about that, and I'm looking forward to getting your feedback on the video podcast uh, as to whether I might might do more of those. Um, I think it's fun, and uh, we'll see how it goes. I haven't edited it yet, so <laughs> if it ends up being like an editing nightmare because I would have to edit not only the audio, but the video. Uh, We'll see. We shall see. But I will tell you, I had the best time recording this. And um, yeah, so, you know, stay tuned. And I hope you enjoy the rest of the season. Uh, Let me know, stay connected with me. Um, You can email me at info at makeanddecorate.com. And I'm also on Instagram. Uh, so let's just finish this out with what I've been watching and I got a couple of what I'm listening to. All right. So of course I watch PBS everything. (laughs) There's a lot, uh, to watch on there now too. So, um, one of the shows, all creatures, great and small. I think I talked about this to my patrons. Um, it is, just a great show. It's on Sunday evenings and it's about a vet, um, uh, recent graduate in veterinary school back in the, I don't know exactly what time frame it is, maybe the thirties, um, forties, but, um, it's really a good show. Um, 
And I love also, you know, I always look at the landscape cinematography and the clothing, the costumes. And there is just such beautiful clothing in this show. Like um, the the men with the tweeds, the tweed fabrics and, you know, the vests and the, the overcoats. And um, it's amazing how dressed up they were back then on an everyday basis and we're talking like vets going to a farm and you know like dealing with cows <laughs> and um they they would have like this you know overcoat type of a thing you know like what doctors today wear the white coats um but they would just put them over their like kind of dress clothes it's um according to the show i mean i'm sure it was kind of like that back then anyway but it's just interesting I just love that show very good stories and very good characters uh, the other one is Miss Scarlet it's also on Sunday evenings and I'm three episodes into this show it's very good it is about the first um, female detective in London and this is sort of like a British version of The Alienist, which is on The Alien Alienist is on one of the channels. I think it's FX um, in the States. But um, The Al Alienist is about the first female detective in New York City. And it's also around the same time, the late 1800s. So but The Alienist is very much darker it's, it's very, very good. I watch it, but it's it has some dark parts. And it, overall, it's kind of has a dark, you know, she, um, the main character, Dakota Fanning, wears black all the time. And it's uh, the way they film it is kind of like very dark. The Miss Scarlet is not as dark and she wears beautiful colors, blue and red. And um, it's a little bit more, you know, bright and funny. Um, there's a lot of funny things <laughs> going on in that show. So it's very good. And just a couple of others that are out that I've um, been watching is Father Brown. That's kind of a lighthearted, funny um, mystery show um, of like a whodunit. And uh, Mallorca Crime, a little bit more modern and, and also a crime show. On Netflix, I just watched this. It just came out. It is so, so good. It's called The Dig. It's a true story. Um, in 1939, Suffolk, England. And Rafe Fiennes and Carrie Mulligan are the main actors in this movie. And um, it's about um, how it's archaeology. So um, and this this woman had these big mounds on her property and mounds were used way back in ancient days for many types of things, burial grounds and so forth. So um, it's just, they, they just did this movie so well and so interesting and it goes by so quickly. Um, and it's, it's so cool that it's a true story. And um, I like when they say what, you know, what happened at the end um, in real life and with, you know, what it is. So I just don't want to give too much away. But it is a very, very good movie. And I highly recommend The Dig on Netflix. On YouTube, there is a channel I've been watching for the last several months, and it's called The Cottage Fairy. 
I love this channel. It is a channel where you can take 10 minutes out of your day and just decompress and you can see beautiful scenery um, and artistic things. So the woman on this channel, um, Paula is her name. She's an artist and she lives in rural northern Washington and she puts um, out every Wednesday these short uh, videos like they might be six minutes long. Sometimes she has some that are maybe um, 14 minutes long, but most of the times they're around six to eight minutes long and they're very cinematic and artistic and um, kind of like an escape. And she lives in such a beautiful, beautiful place with mountains and um, a running river. And she has a beautiful lab dog and a little bunny rabbit. Uh, and she makes beautiful things. She's an artist, so she paints a lot of things, but she also crafts and makes things as well. And she, as she does it, she will you know, recite some poetry. Uh, she will talk about her experience of, you know, her ambitions um, in her, her younger years and how she has changed from them and how she just appreciates a simple life every day. And And I love that. That's kind of like what I um, strive for myself um, and it's called the cottage fairy. So check that one out. You might already, she has so many subscribers and she has not been doing this for very, very long. I mean, maybe a little over a year, but, um, yeah, she has got like, I don't know. I want to say she has like 600,000 subscribers. So you can see how it attracts people that want to just be, um, just escape and and just watch this serene beauty in these videos. So the Cottage Fairy. All right. And I want to also direct you toward a very brand new YouTube channel by my friend, Andra Walker. She started a new YouTube channel and she's doing it vlog style. And in her first video, she was showing all of her recent makes um, and, uh, she's, yeah, a Andra, um, is just a very vibrant, bubbly person. And I met her on Instagram and she is, uh, one of the listeners of my podcast from the very beginning. And, um, she has just, um, you know, replied and responded and commented on, um, a lot of the posts that I put up when I, um, uh, post about the new episode that is publishing. So um, check it out, Andra Walker and her um, new YouTube channel. All right. For a podcast, I just have one uh, to share with you. So if you are interested in gardening um, or if you've always been interested in maybe knowing how to start seeds indoors, this podcast called Joe Gardener he has been putting out um, episodes recently because this is the time of year that people will start um, ordering their seeds and start um, uh, planting them, starting them indoors. And um, it's something that I've always been intimidated by and I've never really had success starting seeds indoors. Um, and I still don't know if I'm going to do it this year, but I've been listening and learning 
um, how it's done and um, the way they present the information to me, it just doesn't seem too overwhelming like it has been on other things that I've watched and listened to. So, um, and I like this podcast all throughout the year. I mean, I like how they go through the growing seasons as they're happening and they will touch on topics that are um, what are popular and poignant for that time of the year. Uh, so Joe Gardner, and it's about gardening. Actually, there is one more podcast I want to mention. And it's not a new podcast, but they took kind of like a, a long break and they came back recently. Uh, it is Hobbies Up to Here with a mother-daughter uh, podcast team, Dory and Katie. And Dory and Katie were my very, very first guests on my podcast show, episode five. So you can go back and listen to that episode, but also search for Hobbies Up to Here. And they're back. They're back and they're talking about exactly what the title says, all these different kinds of hobbies that they enjoy doing. And um, I think that uh, you will enjoy them. Okay, my friends, it's time for me to say goodbye. And if you stayed with me all the way till the end, I will give you another little nugget. <laughs> the next episode will be with my guest, Pam Cobb. And she is from the Hip to Be a Square podcast. And she also had a YouTube channel called The Stitch that she did with her friend Lynn. So stay tuned for that episode coming up next. And until then, I wish you happy making and decorating. I'll talk to you next time. Bye-bye. If you would like a bonus episode every month, become a patron and support the Make and Decorate podcast show at my Patreon page, Make and Decorate. The Make and Decorate podcast is produced, recorded, and edited by yours truly, Stephanie Socha. Visit my podcast page at makeanddecorate.com. <laughs>